You're listening to a Sunday service podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis, a faith community that welcomes, affirms, and protects the light in each human heart, listens deeply to where love is calling us next, and with humility, courage, and compassion works to create a more just world. To learn more, visit us at firstuniversalistchurch.org. There is more love somewhere. There is more love somewhere. I'm gonna keep on till I find it. There is more. gotta keep your heart wide open though the waves wanna push you around you gotta keep your heart wide open till your faith <laughs> brings you back to solid ground. We're starting with the pop quiz from last week. You gotta keep, you gotta keep your heart, your heart wide open, wide open. Though the waves, though the waves wanna push, wanna push you around, you around. You gotta, you gotta keep your heart. Till your faith brings you back, brings you back to solid ground, to solid ground. You remember the, the other part? 
together. Dona nobis pacem, pacem. Dona nobis pacem. Let it be known to us, to each other, that the last word of the past from which we emerge, that the first word that we said together on the edge of the future, we greet now, that the only word worth beginning and ending and defining our days was love. Will you speak the covenant with me? Love is the spirit of this church. Service is its law. This is our great covenant. All together in peace to seek the truth in love and to help. We do not own this land nor this space. There is no owning earth. No place in the universe that is that is not as much mine as it is yours, as it is everybody's, and as it is no one's. But we are in relationships of responsibility to all existence. And we are akin to all creation. We are stewards of the life force within us. We each contribute to the flow of experiences that shape each other's lives. And we teach. And we each have stake. Ah, yeah, that looks like a T. And we each have a stake in the community created now in the wake of our togetherness. And in this spirit, not of letting you in to our place, but of opening our hearts and minds to a word of welcome and warmth, I now welcome you. I welcome your new coming. I welcome your return. But of course, one man's word isn't enough to keep welcome alive. Instead, we are constantly deciding with the ways that we each talk and behave and think with one another whether or not our hearts will be open. Community is only one option for how we might connect. 
May community also be our choice. I invite you into a simple ritual of breath, three breaths we each take, noticing the first, the second, and the third. Three breaths we each take to arrive fully here, fully here now. Three breaths to still our minds, to tell them it's okay to wonder and wander and change, to give hearts over for a time of journey together in faith. Three breaths. The journey building community can be tough. The stakes are high. The road is long. And we are not alone.
Good morning, y'all. Welcome to First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. My, 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 it's good to see your faces. Actually, it's good to see your whole self in the room. We bid you welcome to this community and this time of holding joy and sorrow and mystery and life, just plain old real life together. Today, we are at the end of a month we are calling Art and Soul. It's our fifth week. Um, oh, well, I was waiting for the aww. Aww. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> we're, we're at the end of a month called Art and Soul, where we have been featuring artists of all kinds in a journey of spirituality and music and visual arts. It's been a wonderful, wonderful month together, and I thank each and every one of the artists who's come to be with us. Today, our final artist is a quite special one. Our featured artist is over 160 years old. Right? Isn't that amazing? Yes, the featured artist is you. Today, we'll talk about choral music. We'll talk about singing together, its roots and its wings, where it's come from and where it might be going. We'll recognize the power of singing. We'll lift it up. And more importantly than that, we'll practice doing the singing. Because you have a voice and so do I, that is like no others. And when we combine our voice, your voice and your voice, and mine make the uncompromising strength that is our voice. And with our voice, we can change lives, whether we like it or not. So we begin the journey by welcoming Shelley Desilet. Will you come up? Shelly's going to teach us some stuff. Good morning. This scares me a lot. I'm usually with a whole bunch of other people over there. So this is kind of like, whew, okay. <clears throat> You're with a whole bunch of people. They're just, they're just here now. Right. So I'm hoping you'll join me in this. Um, so this, uh, this song comes to me by way of uh, a singing retreat that I was on last spring. Uh, and uh, was introduced to me by uh, singer-songwriter and song catcher and all-around beautiful person Barbara McAfee. Some of you may know who she is. She's a local artist. And uh, this retreat was all about catching songs and singing them together. And this song caught me because in my day job, I'm a project manager for a corporate strategy team. <laughs> and we do planning. We plan everything. We think about the future, and then we plan it, and then if all goes well, we do it, and we plan, and we plan, and we plan. And so one of the spiritual practices for me is learning how to let go. And in singing, a lot of us feel like, oh, I need to know all the notes, and I need to know all the words before I can sing, or I'm not a singer, I don't really want to do that. So this song is to help us get into that space of letting go and not planning. 
So uh, I'll say it through once, and then we'll do some learning, okay? You don't have to know the way The way knows the way You don't have to plan the way Trust the way, feel your way The way knows, the way knows The way knows the way Thank you, that's easier with another voice next to me. It's like, oh, okay, I can do this. All right, so just the first part. You don't have to know the way. The way knows the way. Oh, that's great. One more yeah, time. It really is. You don't have to know the way. The way knows the way. Here's the second one. You don't have to plan the way, trust the way, feel your way. That one again. You don't have to plan the way, trust the way, feel your way. Good. And then we're going to be up here. We're going to continue. The way knows, the way knows, the way knows, the way, the Try it all together. You don't have to know the way. The way knows the way. You don't have to plan the way. Trust the way. Feel your way. The way knows the way. Do we feel like we could be like in two groups? Does that feel possible or is that a little iffy? I think we can do it. Say yes if you agree. I think we can do it. Yes, okay. It sounds like we can do it. So we're gonna, this is going to be group one, and if you feel like you're within my hands, you're group one. And will you be group one for us? Of course. And then uh, we will be group two. I'll start you off and help you out. Okay. Here we go. You don't have to know the way, the way knows the way. You don't have to learn the way, the way knows the way.
Thank you, Shelley. Would you mind playing E flat major? Walking, walking with you, walking with you is my prayer. That's the whole chant. Good morning, beloveds. Ooh, that was nice. My name is Ashley. I am one of the pastors among you. Let us hold in our bodies what it feels like to sing. What it feels like to let your breath expand in your body. What it feels like to notice the voice of the person next to you or behind you to feel the harmonies reverberate in this space and the sound swell and grow and release again into silence. And let us trust that feeling as our guide to open ourselves and our beings and our spirits in prayer.
to trust that we are held in our breathing, to trust that we are held in our very bones, to trust that we can offer our pain and our praise in community, that we do not have to hold it alone, that love will carry it with us when we speak it aloud or let it rest quietly on our hearts together. Let us pray now with words in the chat with words spoken into this space or with silence. a prayer of gratitude that we are learning how to pray together, that we are learning to let our hearts crack open for witness, for holding, that love may expand. We hold each other's prayers with sacredness, as we sing now again. Do you know the first song you ever learned? Do you remember? Do you remember? ABCs, yeah. Jesus loves me. Happy birthday. Which one? Which one? The happy, that one? Happy birthday. Okay. I didn't know if you, you may have learned the Stevie Wonder version first. <laughs> you see? Yeah? Well, I heard another one. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Yes? The wheels on the bus go round and round. Yes, they do. Yeah. Part of your world. Really? <laughs> Oh, right. On. Okay, we have, to have, we have to have karaoke worship at some point. <laughs> we have to do it. <laughs> Free to be you and me. Mm. Mm -hmm. 
American Pie? Wow. The first song I ever learned, my grandfather um, sang it to me every morning. Um, and it was, and the length of the song was dependent on how sluggish I was getting out of bed. The song was, I can't get him up, I can't get him up, I can't get him up in the morning. I can't get him up, I can't get him up, I can't get him up in the morning. And he would sing this over and over and over again until either I woke up and started moving around or I suffered the wrath of the pokey-fingered tickle monster <laughs> who, come to think of it, looked exactly like my grandfather. <laughs> Do you know the first book to be published in the United States was a book of songs? Did you know that? I love this color commentary. <laughs> the Bay Psalm book was published in the New Colonies, published uh, as a way of spreading music around uh, the new settlements. That book was full of tunes and texts, and it was split in half down the middle. On the top, there were tunes and on the bottom, there were texts, different words. Do you know why? Well, it was so that if you wanted to sing, if you really liked that tune, but you didn't like that text, you could go over to this text, and you could flip the bottom <laughs> and sing the tune from one to the text of another. It's, I mean, it is, it's proto-Unitarian Universalism. It's... <laughs> this, is the, this is one of the traditions from which we get the practice of the metrical index inside the hymnal. The metrical index inside the hymnal is all the way in the back of the gray hymnal. You, let's, oh, we're going on a gray hymnal field trip. This is what this is. I'm going all the way to the back. And you'll find the 700, 733 is all the way back there. And after that, there are a bunch of acknowledgments. And you keep flipping. You'll find the topical index of readings. I'm going through all of these because um, some folks have not ever been back here before. This is like discovering the attic in your home, where we have a list of topics and then an index of composers and arrangers and sources. Yeah. Next, we have an alphabetical index of tunes, and each of those tunes has a name. Named for someone famous, named for the situation in which it was written. And the very next stop, my friends, is the metrical index of tunes. What you'll find are letters and numbers, SM and 8686. Anyone know what they mean? 
the amount of syllables in a line. Ah, yes. So for example, 8686, you'll find it's the second one down. It says CM, 8686. CM stands for common meter. It's because a lot of songs, a lot of hymns, you can see, were written in this way. And that's because the first line has eight syllables. The second line has six syllables. The third line has eight syllables. And the fourth line has six syllables. So according to the, the law of the first published book in America, we should be able to sing one tune to another text in that same list. Let's try it out. <laughs> the two hymns we'll try are 205. Someone shout, someone shout out the, uh, the, the title when you have it, 205. Amazing Grace, indeed. And two, now, now keep your finger on that one. We're going now to 245. Someone shout out the tune when you know it. Joy to the world, yes. Okay, so apparently, according to the way singing happened in its very earliest days in the American settlements, we should be able to sing these uh, to the other tune. Let's try it out. Okay, first, let's go with the text of Amazing Grace, the tune of Joy to the World. Would you give us a little introduction? That's jingle bells, right? <laughs> one, more, one more time. Here we go. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a world like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Was blind, but I see. Was blind, but now I see. Feels weird, huh? Feels weird. Okay, let's let's switch now. We'll do the tune of Amazing Grace to the text of Joy to the World. Okay, here we go. Joy to the world, the world is found, and earth with praise and I know there are at least three or four people who are going to take that hymnal home and just spend the whole week. 
activist and author Miriam Kaba has a challenge for us around our giving and receiving today. She says, I wake up every single day and decide to practice hope. I do so because this is something that is singularly within my control to do. For me, hope is not a metaphor, it's a lived practice. It isn't a thing I possess. Rather, I have to remake it daily. I don't have hope, I do hope. It's an active process that I have to regularly commit to. Hope not as an emotion, but as a discipline. Hope for me is grounded in the reality that wondrous things happen alongside and parallel to the terrible every single day. So how will you practice and cultivate hope today? That is her challenge. There are so many ways. Just by singing, you might practice and cultivate hope and flexibility. But the way we are going to collectively practice hope today is through our giving and our receiving. We are giving this morning to our partner, Simpson Housing, that embraces the uniqueness and dignity of each person and advocates against the injustices of society. They are committed to working for racial equity and ending homelessness here in Minnesota. If this is a day when hope means practicing receiving, I hope you will also let us know how we can support you in that. You can talk to me after worship, or you can reach out to me, ashley at firstuniv.org. Let us practice hope today. Let us cultivate hope. Let us commit to hope now with our offering. So this is, uh, while your attention, the basket will pass, you can leave me for a moment and come back. Uh, for those of you who are waiting for the basket or who have already passed, let's get started. This is a song also from that same retreat, and uh, it started me on a journey of uh, calling in my ancestors and recognizing my place in the world is a place that is surrounded by everyone uh, in front of me and around me and behind me in my history. Uh, and, and walking out of that space has been a really interesting journey for me. So I hope you'll join me. This one's a little up-tempo. And we're going to uh, uh, learn it first, and then I'm going to have you stand, and we're going to uh, engage in some other activities on it. So I'll go through it once. Uh, join me if you feel like you're catching on. I'm not a lone wolf, and I never was. Everything I've achieved, I've achieved it because I am standing on the shoulders of an infinite many seen and unseen. I'm not a lone wolf, and I never was. Everything I've achieved, I can do, I, oh, sorry. Everything I may do, I can do it because I am riding on a tidal wave of universal longing. So it's very fun, up-tempo. <clears throat> and it's in a key higher than I normally sing. 
<clears throat> but that's all right. I'll go full voice, and we'll see how that turns out. Let's go, let's go all right. Line at, line at a time. I'm not a lone wolf, and I never was. One more time. I'm not a lone wolf, and I never was me. Everything I've achieved, I've achieved it because. Everything I've achieved, I've achieved it because. I am standing on the shoulders. I am standing on the shoulders of an infinite many seen and unseen. What's the text of that? What is, what's the word? Of an infinite many seen and unseen. Okay. Get that around your mouth. Just say it with me once. Of oh, an, an infinite, infinite many, many seen and, and unseen. unseen. Good, okay. Of an, here we go. Of an infinite many seen and unseen. All that so far. I'm not a lone wolf and I never was. Everything I've achieved, I've achieved it because I am standing on the shoulders of an infinite many seen and unseen. Okay, and then we turn it and we do the second verse. It comes right in after that. It starts the same. I'm not a lone wolf and I never was. Here's the change. Everything I may do, I can do it because Everything I may do, I can do it because I am riding on a tidal wave I am riding on a tidal wave Of universal longing It's got a fun note of universal longing. Let's do that second verse all together. I'm not a lone wolf, and I never was. Everything I may do, I can do it because I am riding on a tidal wave of universal longing. Okay, let's do both verses together. Back to the first verse, A-V, and we'll go from here, and we'll pick it up a little bit. Here we go. Let's stand up. It requires movement. Movements will help you remember words, although you have them here, so here we go. One, two. I'm not a lone wolf, and I never was. Everything I achieved, I've achieved. I am standing on the shoulders of an infinite many seen and unseen. I'm not a lone wolf, and I never was. Everything I may do, I may do it because I'm fighting on. 
Now I'm going to ask those of you who are not so much into singing and would like to be a rhythm, those of you who can do it together, bless you, and feel free. We're going to do, right in front of you is the big bass drum. Lean over the pew and hit it once with one hand. Boom. Let's hear it a little louder. Good. One more time. Okay, that's going to be our big downbeat, and you're going to clap on the beat three, which is like this. Oh, go ahead. Here we go. I'm not a lone wolf, and I never was. Everything I achieved, I'm achieved because I am standing on the shoulders of an infinite man seen and unseen. I'm not a I remember it uh, like it was yesterday. It was many more years ago than yesterday. But I remember it just like it just happened. I was conducting a chorus called the Saginaw Choral Society. And it was my first time conducting a major work. A major work is what, uh, when a composer uh, writes a large piece of music for usually choir and orchestra. And it's one of our graduating steps as conductors. Um, we, uh, we become, it's like, it's like, you know, getting your driver's license. It's, it's just one of those notches that you want to achieve. So this was important to me. My first major work was Mozart's Requiem. And, um, and what we did was pretty fun. Uh, we interspersed Mozart's Requiem with its contemporary the spiritual, the spiritual coming out of the United States at the time. Most people don't ever think of those as happening simultaneously, but they were just an ocean apart. 
So we sang the two of them together. And I was so proud. I was doing my doctoral work on innovative programming, and, um, and I thought, man, this is real clever, and, it's, uh, and it allows us to deepen our relationship with both of the works. We had a lovely concert, and the next Monday after, um, I asked for the choir to offer their reflections to me of the concert. Over and over again, the response was, I loved singing the Mozart. It felt so professional. I was heartbroken. I felt so professional because I knew what it had meant. I grew up uh, in conducting, uh, being taught the Mozart and Bach and Durifle. I had been taught all of those names, and I had been taught to think that they were important. What I wasn't taught was anything about my people's music. When I was growing up, even in elementary school, when they asked me, have you ever been in choir? I knew that I should answer no, even though I had been in a gospel choir for years. Because the word choir in the United States doesn't always mean just people singing, does it? There are differences between what some of us mean in that title than others. Choral music in America is possibly the easiest to diversify. We've had uh, the most luck of all of the performing arts in diversifying our resources, our staff, and still, with 80% of the repertoire and standards list from the American Choral Directors Association, all the, these pieces that we're supposed to learn, 80% of them are from living composers, and yet the vast majority of them are of white composers. Women lead half the choirs in the country, but lead a small portion of the upper elite so-called choirs in the country. 50% of the people getting composition degrees are people of color. But 5% of those are on the lists that we use to decide the pieces that we will, uh, that we will play and sing. I say this to remind you of that early American story. The Bay Psalter, the Bay Psalm book, was published. But what happened there was not so much an arising of culture, but a collision. When the Europeans came over to colonize America, they had brought music, and there weren't many instruments on board, the ships. Why? Because most instruments are uh, sensitive to water and salt and tossing waves. Also, because the cargo holds were filled with food and commodities, like people. And those people brought with them, in their memories, the only slivers 
of their culture that they had left, and they sang them when they could, and they kept them in mind. And these two colliding cultures collided with another nation full of musical cultures. The striking similarity among all of them, the native peoples singing traditions, the Europeans' music traditions, the Africans' music traditions, is that they all primarily involved singing. Instruments were not the major thing in any of them. I think that's because we knew a long time ago in spirit what we now know in science, that singing together does things like regulate heartbeats and calm the senses. Singing can save lives. Singing has raised generations. Singing has toppled governments. Singing has a power that we don't give it enough credit for nowadays. In these days, uh, we tend to think of it as a luxury, and that's an inherited trait as well. We inherited that from the early American colonies, too. When people started to get rich, they started to pay for other people to sing, pay for other people to, uh, to play music. And we became less invested as a people in making our own music, in making our own creative potential come alive, and more and more and more money became the channel through which we understood expression. This is how we get the model of the, of the orchestra that we now have. It even finds its way into the church. You know the soprano section leader, the alto section leader, the tenor section leader, the bass section leader? The people we hire from outside, the professionals we hire to come in, to sing with us, to make us sound more beautiful. And underneath that, is the implication that our voice is not enough. Underneath that is the implication that perfection is the goal. Underneath that is the implication that if we don't do it just right, it's not right. How many of you are good singers? <laughs> How many of you are bad singers? How many people in between? You know, um, the concept of good singing and bad singing in church had never occurred to me until I started working for Unitarian Universalists. <laughs> and y'all taught it to me. I'm not a good singer. I, I, well, but I'm not a musician. I'm not. No, in the church I grew up in, there was no such thing. That was not the paradigm in which we operated. In fact, singing was not about judgment. It was not about excellence. It was not about perfection. It was about singing because singing changes lives. When I came to Unitarian Universalism, I had been despondent and jaded from my old church life. When I came out of the closet and decided um, that gay, in fact, was okay, uh, I decided that if the church was not going to have all of me, it would have none of me. And so I came to Unitarian Universalism. Wait till the end, though. <laughs> and so I came to Unitarian Universalism 
uh, really to pay my rent. I was barely listening to you all. I thought you were heathens. I really did. I looked at the Wikipedia page and I thought, oh my goodness, these heathens. <laughs> Me and my boyfriend walked in and we sat down and we heard the hymn. And the hymn was 170, We Are a Gentle, Angry People. And I had no, I had no idea what was about to happen to my life. Because there's a fifth verse on the next page that's hidden unless, uh, unless you know how to look for it. And there, we are a gentle, angry people, says, We are gay and straight together, and we are singing, singing for our lives. I was shocked at the scandal. <laughs> how dare you say those words? How dare you believe them? How dare you say them so casually? And in that moment, my paradigm was shifted by people who may have been thinking about lunch. Know this. Your voice matters to our voice. And it's not about whether you're good or bad. It's about the fact that we have too many lives that need changing, too many lives waiting to matter and not enough time to dilly-dally. It's about the fact that we can't be reticent about the need to bring peace and love alive in the world, and peace and love are already alive in the songs, so we bring the songs alive so that people might remember hope. Singing is a task, it is a vital resource, and it is a power. It's not a luxury, it's not entertainment. It is a needed ministry for a hurting world. So, you can imagine if this is what I'm thinking about when I read the listening session survey data and heard over and over and over again, we need to bring the choir back. We need to bring the choir back. I heard that. I heard you. I heard we need to, we'd like to bring the choir back. I need to say two things. One, I'm not bringing the choir back. Relax. <laughs> Relax. Breathe. There is a way of doing choir. There is a way of singing that we must put down in order to pick up the mantle that love is calling us to sing now. The way we do singing has to change. The way we engage choir has to change. Who we hire and who we don't has to change. And the core of the voice powering the choir has to be you. So I'm not bringing, I'm not bringing choir back. Choir never left. Choir was here the whole time. It's been singing in you. And now comes an era where we sing a different tune. I don't know, to the same text or what. <laughs> In the coming weeks, what's going to happen is I'm going to invite you. It'll be on the website. It'll be on the liberal. Um, we're, going to start, we're going to start ensemble singing again. We're going to start, a, we're going to start up a choir. Um, 
But the, but the era where one director powers the entire thing is, has come to an end. You're going to help me power this. I, I'm going to assemble a team. I, I'm going, yeah, well, thank you. I'm calling for a team of volunteers who are going to help us build this singing institution together into its next chapters. It will only be as strong as you help me make it. Together, we'll decide what we sing. Together, we'll decide how it goes. Together, we will walk into the next chapter. I won't be telling you what I want. We'll be telling each other what our ministry to the world looks like. And we will be bringing it alive. Stay tuned. So I told this, I told this to uh, Paolo, my, my friend here. We both went to the University of Michigan um, for conducting. And um, I told Paolo, would you come up? I told Paolo this, and, he's, uh, and he said, oh my God, I've been thinking the same thing. Um, what does choral music look like? What does singing look like? What does small music ensemble look like in the 21st century for a people who want to matter to love and to justice? Um, and the result for, for him is called Homespun, uh, a chamber music collective that you, Paolo, and your wife, Laura, are co-founding. And... Um, co-founded co to get are co-founding together and that are making their home for uh, it, for their first concert right here at First Universalist. I've invited Paolo. I've, in, I've invited Paolo to share a little bit of what's going on with Homespun and uh, and what uh, and what is making <laughs> my brain wanted to say Homespun spin. So I'm just going to stop talking now. <laughs> Uh, would you tell us, Paolo, the, tell us the creation story of, the, of Homespun. Hello. Hi. Good morning, everyone. Um, it's, wonderful to, it's wonderful to be here. I, um, I started coming here a few months ago, actually, you know, prior to this stuff with Homespun. I live right across the street, so um, it's, it's wonderful to be here. Homespun is, um, you know, it feels like everybody in our kind of age and, and some of our demographics and artists and all this stuff are, are kind of thinking the same things, right? The things that you're outlining about, like what's the, kind of what's the point, you know? Especially I feel those of, those of us who went to conservatory, those of us who went to, a, to schools that were very insistent on technical quality and achievement and accomplishment and all that stuff, we get really, we get really focused on that, mm -hmm. right? Especially you were in it for five years. I was only there for two years. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> what you saying? Okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, the, when you when you're at a conservatory, when you're immersed in this like the way that the received ways that art is made, you know, it, it gets distracting, mm -hmm. right? You 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 get obsessed with tuning and with diction and things that probably people that are coming to concerts will never hear or care about. And ultimately, there's this weird phenomenon of all these people who came into the arts with passion and with love and all, all this energy 
are kind of funneled into this place of doing things for reasons that they're not sure of, you know? That, that we just kind of, choir is as choir is, so let's do choir. Or orchestra is as orchestra is, that's how it's always been, so let's just do orchestra. And it seems to me that, that you and I and, and, and others kind of emerging from that, we, we come out and we say, um, why, why are we doing these musical projects filled with highly, highly accomplished, highly educated musicians and achieving some you know, pretty high level of technical excellence? But if you look around the room and ask yourself who cares about the music that's happening, hmm. sometimes no one. There's a, there's, a, uh, there's a running joke. It's been running for generations of preachers that the... Um, that the number one purveyor of atheists is the seminary. <laughs> um, <laughs> did, I, did I get you on that? <laughs> I think there. Was, I think the joke. The the idea behind the joke is um, that we spend so much time in analysis and perfection. We spend so much time in the in, in the letter that we lose sense mm -hmm. of um, of what we're there for, our purpose, our core. Um, and our calling. So, um, what is Homespun's calling? What, how, how do you describe the mission? Yeah, so recently my obsession has just been how do you make music meaningful? You know, as opposed to plugging away at the technique and all that, and then if it becomes meaningful or if it ends up being uh, emotionally moving, wow, what a cool, nice coincidence. <laughs> but how can we, how can we create artistic collaboration in a way that centers meaning. And Homespun is one of the, is one, um, uh, uh, I almost said spin again. See, yeah. It, it is one of these manifestations, it's one of, one of these projects of, okay, we all kind of know what it can look like for professional musicians to come together and make chamber music. You know, string quartets or, you know, uh, small ensemble things. We all know what that can look like, but how can we do it in a way that centers meaning, centers, you know, the only thing that matters or the utmost importance is that we care about what we're doing and then by extension, those who are in our presence will, you know, be infected with it, be, be convinced of it. Um, my, my hypothesis, um, and this is kind of, this is putting it to the test, is that it starts with community that it starts with, um, I've been saying for a few months now, only, only moved musicians can make moving music, hmm. Hmm. right? Mm -hmm. that, and, and what does it take to be moved? Well, it takes vulnerability, it takes openness, empathy, safety, uh, collaboration. It doesn't take, here's my schedule of events, here are the notes that I have to learn, and here are the dynamics at which I have to perform them. It takes, who are the people in my midst? What are we trying to accomplish? And uh, how do we feel about that? So rather than, so for Homespun, for example, rather than, just, rather than just hire a bunch of people and say, come to these rehearsals, learn these notes, and these are the performances, which is pretty stock for how this kind of thing probably would happen, um, we started with a potluck instead. Um, and we spent time getting to know each other, and we have said that many of the things, you know, from the outset, many of the, 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 the facts 
of the project are guidelines. What repertoire are we doing? I don't know, it's whatever we end up liking over the course of these two weeks. What, um, what, what, what's the order of this concert gonna be? I don't know, whatever feels right. What I hear is, what I hear is a reorientation. It's not, it's, it's not so much a ditching of the concept of excellence as a, because that, that, it's, it's a reorientation, a democratization of it, um, that we, instead of striving toward perfection, we are using excellence in the service of the thing that makes us come alive, right? Excellence is a tool in the toolbox. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the first, uh, the exper the first experiment of this is going on now, um, uh, and I want you to tell them about the concert. Okay. So, like, when when is it? Where is it? I wonder. <laughs> um, yeah. And and who should show up? Yeah. So it's this Friday, um, August fourth, at seven p.m. Not sure where in the building it's going to be. We're going to figure that out this week. But it's in the building. In this building. So if you've been like walking through uh, at sp some hours over the past week, you might have heard a little bit of practicing going on. Um, Glenn and the rest of this church has been so wonderful in letting us use this space. Um, it's going to be, it's four uh, string players, uh, you know, a string quartet some professional singers, a few keyboardists, um, and some of the stuff that we've been juggling around is there's a Bach cantata, there's a, an arrangement by the jazz group, the real group. Oh, yeah. It's so hard. <laughs> it's really fun, but it's very, very hard, which makes it fun, I guess. Um, uh, some, some art song that are the, for, for string quartet and voice that don't often get performed because they're for string quartet and voice and whoever gets to do that. So we're, so we're going to see, like, we're essentially kind of live partners in seeing the concert come alive, yeah. right? Like, we're, we're learning some of what the concert is alongside you. Yeah. Right? I yeah. love this. Yeah, there's, there, we, basically, you know, at the beginning of last week, we printed out a bunch of music and we said, these are some stuff that we could do. This is some stuff that feels... Um, achievable and also, you know, interesting and all that stuff. And what that actually means for Friday um, remains to be seen. You know, probably, be, probably it'll be a lot of that music, but who knows? I think the, I think the lesson for us is, you know, there's a, uh, Howard Thurman, the, the theologian, um, talks about uh, don't ask what the world needs. Um, ask what makes you come alive and then go out and do that because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Um, I, think, I think this is the lesson for, uh, for us today. What makes us as a people come alive? What inspires us toward excellence when it comes to bringing love alive? Because that's what we need to go out and do um, rather than looking to find the exact right, right, the right thing in the right way. We need to find um, what inspires us to life and then bring that life alive. Yeah? Yeah, and I also, I also think um, there, there, there can't, you know, chamber music is, the words are quite a vibe, aren't they? Like, <laughs> you hear chamber music, and to me, I think, like, uh, you know, frills and Europeans and all that stuff. I had powdered wig. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, but if, if you're just a curious person, Please come. Um, one, of my, one of my things, I mean, one of many, I suppose, 
um, recently is that we tend to not trust ourselves. We're, we're classical, whatever that word means. Classical music is concerned. We tend to treat it kind of like fine wine, where we have our gut reactions to what we hear or taste or feel or all these things, but if an expert tells us, no, that was actually a really good wine, then we'll say, oh, I, oh, I guess I'm, oh. Or if they say, that was a very important symphony that you just heard, we'll go, oh, I, okay, I guess, I guess I don't know it. But rather, I mean, what you feel is what you feel, and what you hear and like and don't like is what you hear and like and don't like. And my, the orientation that I'm trying to share among the artists in this project is connect with this music as person. It's almost non-intellectual. It's almost anti-intellectual. That who cares when it was composed? Who cares the you know, historical context of it? How do you feel when you, when you sing or play it? And how do you want to share that? Because ultimately, it's just how do you feel when you hear it? Does it match? There's if a, not, then why? There's a faith in ourselves, in our own experience, that, um, that we're, not, we're often not used to ex uh, believing. Um, it's, there's a trust in, in what I am feeling, what's in my body to mm -hmm. feel, um, that, we, that we aren't quite used to. And finally, I think there is a trust, a hope, and a faith that music um, can speak to and through us without, um, without needing us to, um, to help it out with our sort of intellectual yeah. underpinnings. Like it can still, like the message and the hope and the emotion can still speak from within. Mm -hmm. and, and then let the details um, right. uh, come to modify that experience. Rather than know the birth dates of the composer and let that yeah. inform how you're going to feel about music. Yeah. Feel how you feel about it and then learn about the, the rest. And in that way, um, and in that way, Bach actually becomes very present mm -hmm. um, when we don't relegate Bach or Mozart to the dates. Um, it becomes possible for them to become very present to us. So look, as a conductor, um, what you're describing sounds to me like um, the choral music equivalent of, um, of parachuting out of a plane. Uh, so, you know, exhilarating and terrifying all at the same time. So I wish you blessings <laughs> on what Friday is going to become. Yeah. Um, I, will, I will be there um, with, uh, with all of my cheerleading um, pom-poms. I, pom I actually do have pom-poms that say right on More than them. welcome. So I will be there, and so will we. Thank you, Paolo. Thank you. Friends. We have sung, we've talked a lot about singing. Please keep the memory of this time together with you now and always. I hope that community goes with you into the next days that we greet. I hope that the prayers that we've prayed together stay with you in your heart, that you can remember that you were prayed for and silence was held for you and that next week, when we meet again, we will be holding space again, holding that space open for each one of the spokes that you bring to the cycle of life. We're going to sing one more time, and then we're going to launch ourselves into the world with song. 
Would you rise? E flat major one more time. Where you go, I will go, beloved. Where you go, I will go. Thanks for listening. If you've been comforted or inspired by this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Podcasts are free to download, but they cost money to make. Visit firstuniversalistchurch.org donate to make your gift. We'd love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.